You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, well, recovering from what a what, uh, for a lack of better words, a collapse of the Bulldogs <laughs> at, at at the Blue Turf in Idaho, out to a 17 point lead, only to be only for Boise to come back with 21 unanswered points. Uh, and Fresno State to lose that one. I mean, you were there. That must have been a heartbreaker just to be there in person to watch this unfold in front of your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what else can you say there, Jackson? I mean, what was what was it like for you over there? Well, you know, I was there for the conference championship last year, and it was about the same temperature. It was about the same time of night, and it was about the same uh, reaction. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was a little, probably, I'd say, more heartbreak last year because of it was a conference championship game and. You know, when you lose the conference championship game, there's no do-over. Where this one, they're, they if they can win out, they'll still get the title. But you could tell the guys were definitely disappointed. Um, both teams were very cordial after, despite all the uh, emotions and uh, fan input that goes into this rivalry. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing. But um, you know, when Fresno State was in their situation last year, it was kind of their first time where they were in a position to lead a game-winning drive there at the end, and they came up short. Now we saw it again at Minnesota where they came up short, and I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that once they were in that position that they were going to pull it out, unfortunately. So I wasn't too surprised when it became 4th and 11, and they threw an incomplete pass, and that was the end of the game. But the heartbreaking part was everything that happened before that, where it's 17 to three Boise state had already been in the bulldog territory five times and had only three points. And it seemed like either they had wasted all their opportunities or the dam was about to break one of the two and uh, the floodgates opened they moved the ball fairly easily and they were finally able to take advantage of the, those drives. So it's, you know, it's a game where you look back and you think, did Fresno State kind of blow it? Did they barely lose? Or was it, I mean, Boise State, if they score a couple more times in the first half, that could have been a, a spanking really by the end of the game. So it's a, a hard one to kind of wrap your head around, and it's disappointing with everything and the history behind the game that they lost that one. Um, Boise State was not supposed to be as good this year. Fresno State was supposed to be better, and yet another similar outcome on the blue turf. And uh, you just hope that the Bulldogs can bounce back and make something still special come out of this season. There's still a lot of good that can come in these last uh, two regular season games and potentially a conference championship game and potentially a big bowl game. So still a lot to play for. And hopefully uh, Fresno State will be celebrating at the end of the year and not dwelling on another disappointment against Boise. No matter how uh, uh, how we we look at it, we I mean, as I'm watching the game, I'm sitting there watching Boise State go go you know turn the ball over uh, the first few times, and I'm sitting there going, you know, they were just one play away from actually converting those every single time, and you could almost sense that Boise State was gonna start getting things rolling, 
but I did not see that the Bulldogs were just going to offense all of a sudden just sputter and stop. I mean, I thought, you know, maybe Boise was going to start getting things going and it was going to turn into a shootout and Fresno State was going to keep it going and do just enough to win this one. Unfortunately, Fresno State ended up, you know, laying down flat after a certain amount of time and, and just could not get things going offensively. Um, you know, penalties didn't help the situation on a, on a couple of drives, uh, but those were things that they could overcome. And for some reason, they just weren't able to get the ball rolling again after their last score. And in Boise State, you could just feel that momentum shift. As soon as that crowd got back into it, it was all over at that point. And Fresno State just looked confused at one point. And, you know, Boise came out and they, and they did what they said they were going to do, and that was play a little bit of smash mouth football with the Bulldogs, and and they proved that they can still do it on the blue turf. For some reason, it is an enigma when we go to the blue turf, and Fresno State still cannot seem to figure that one out. I mean, you, what was the sense on the sidelines while you were there? I mean, th- th- could you tell the frustration that was going on with the players, or or was it you know? oh no, here we go again, kind of a a mentality. (laughs) Well, uh, the game started off pretty back and forth, of course, not a whole lot of points, and it felt very similar to last year. It was a low-scoring game, and just back and forth. uh, After the first couple drives, you just knew this was going to be a tight one. Um, But then Fresno State kind of had their breakthrough moment, where I believe this was the fourth straight game. They score right before halftime, this time a field goal, and they get the ball back and score a touchdown to begin the third quarter. And that's been the Bulldogs' knockout shot week after week, where they always seem to, whether way the coin toss goes, they get the ball to start the third quarter, and they take advantage, they make the adjustments, and they just take teams out of the game with those that last drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half. And they did it against Boise State. They took that 17-3 lead right there. And this was the first time the opponent punched back. And I don't know if maybe that caught the Bulldogs off guard. Uh, It was a little bit closer than some of those other games have been at that point. But um, you felt at that moment on the sideline where Fresno State went up 17-3 that it it felt like they had it, that they were just one stop away, one score away from putting the game away like they had done week after week. And Boise State answered right back and I think that's kind of where the difference was um we saw Boise State's offense in the first half they were moving the ball very successfully but they weren't scoring on the end of those drives and as mentioned they found a way to get it done in the second half Uh, it was an uncharacteristic performance by the defense they were playing kind of tight um they got hit with a few big shots that they're not used to being hit by and um Ultimately, it was one more than the Bulldogs were able to deliver on the Broncos. Now, you know, I got to pose this question because I noticed a little kind of a little similarity when Fresno State headed down to Reno and played there. The weather was a little bit colder uh, and the Bulldogs were a little bit flat. Here you are again in Idaho and Boise and the weather was extremely a lot colder than it was in Nevada did that play a factor? Because it looks like they they struggle when the weather gets a little colder. Uh, I guess they're used to this valley weather over here. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think, Jackson? I might point to that a little bit in the fourth quarter. I was down on the field the whole game taking pictures, and 
I was layered up probably more than the players had. So <laughs> I was feeling pretty comfortable, but you start to feel it in the fourth quarter after being on the field for like four or five hours. And uh, I think it, it probably started to take its toll. Um, you know, they had uh, some heated benches on the sideline. They even these devices, they put their helmet on to warm up the helmets. And a lot of the guys had uh, thermals all the way over their heads and ears. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it played too big of a role at the beginning. I think maybe the crowd noise, if anything, where Fresno State on the first drive, they have a third and one and they get back-to-back false start penalties, I believe. And now it's third and 11. That kills the drive pretty easily. Um, they had quite a few penalties in the first quarter. And uh, I think that was probably the bigger hindrance. Uh, but perhaps in the fourth quarter when you know, you need to score, you need to move the ball, and it doesn't make it much easier when it's like 30 degrees <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, I, and I, I could tell that it was starting to kind of affect the Bulldogs as the game was going on and the temperature started to drop. It was affecting them more. And you've got to wonder because Boise State, they're used to that. They're there all the time. So they probably practice in that low temperature. They already know what their bodies can and cannot do as opposed to Fresno State who – practice usually here uh, in in the 80s and and, uh, (laughs) triple digits in the summer it's a different mentality had this game been earlier in the season this outcome could have been a little bit different um the bulldogs could have played but you know that's a different story for another day and right now there's the game is done Mm. now now the bulldogs have to take care of business in order to try and and salvage their season and and still come out with a championship game because right now things are getting a little a little touchy as far as the mountain west is concerned (laughs) but we will cover that later on as we head down um down towards the end of the the podcast but right now let's let's break down what the bulldogs did at boise uh offensively fresno state you know in the beginning of the of the game was able to move the ball fairly well but only came out with 17 points um and then in the second half stalled out couldn't really do much except for the opening drive of the second half what's your overall assessment on how the bulldogs did offensively against this boise state defense who should have been vulnerable for this bulldog <clears throat> offense. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I kind of think this is what Fresno State's offense is against a, uh, a competitive defense. The Boise State was down a couple key players, but they were still the best that Fresno State had seen in several weeks. Um, Boise State was able to get in the backfield a lot more often. Um, we hadn't seen Fresno State give up tackles for loss or sacks like that uh, that they gave up against the Broncos in quite some time. And this offense is all about staying on schedule, which is kind of a cliche you hear quite a bit. But, I mean, the Bulldogs really kind of live and die on that mantra. They've got to have a manageable second down, a manageable third and down. And it just felt like Fresno State had a lot of third and longs and unfavorable situations that, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's talent or, you know, it's just it's hard to convert third and long in itself. But the Bulldogs don't seem to... uh, improvise very well when they're put in those situations and you got to give Boise State credit for uh, for doing that but um, in my mind the Bulldogs got the ball 10 times they scored two touchdowns they got in field goal position three times Um, you know that's they only converted on one of the three field goals and one was a 50 yarder that got blocked I don't really blame Mesa Fuller for that by any means but uh, I think that's kind of what Fresno State is um you know they did enough to score about 23 points if they convert on all those and uh, you would hope that the defense would 
put them in position to win it. And uh, both sides fell about a possession short when it was all said and done. Now, I, I, for me personally, I felt that uh, McMarion was struggling a little bit in this game. He, for the first time all season, he looked a little bit confused at, at times. Was that the sense you were picking up that he was having a hard time trying to figure out this Boise defense who normally, I mean, should have been easy pickings for the Bulldogs, uh, especially with all of the weapons on offense? Yeah, um, I felt he managed it pretty well, uh, considering the running game wasn't giving him a whole lot of help. The offensive line was struggling a l- more so than usual. They're, they're usually pretty solid. Uh, his passing numbers were decent. They were 24 out of 35 for 283 yards and a touchdown. But you know, whatever it is, um, it did feel like the Bulldogs had those two chances to tie it there at the end. And just the offense was not clicking good enough to get it done. And that's where I felt like the struggles came the most. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily something new. You can't pin the Minnesota one on him. Uh, (laughs) Interception was thrown by a running back there at the end. But um, it felt very similar to uh, last year at Boise State where uh, the offense had a chance to go down and take care of business and uh, just overmatched by the crowd and the defense and the pressure that was on it. And, uh, you know, Marcus says he takes every possession. doesn't matter if it's the first or the last. It's all the same. But it just felt like they were playing a little bit tight in my mind. Yeah. It just, it didn't, didn't seem like the normal team as usual, but they, uh, it's not the normal circumstance. You go to the blue turf where, uh, notoriously the, the Broncos are hard to, to beat one of the best in the nation at home. Um, it, it tends to kind of, uh, play a little bit of a part in the back of your mind there. Uh, but defensively, um, you know, the Bulldogs defense probably was keeping the Bulldogs in this game um, for the most part until they started to wear down. And that was from the from the offense not being able to perform and, and keep the defense off the field. That must have played a big part in how this defense started to kind of fold in the second half. You know, being on the field that long, there's only so much you can do until you start putting hands on hips and getting really tired. What do you think, Jackson? You were you were there. You were you could see the players. How were they reacting? Were they getting frustrated that the, the offense couldn't think, get things going? Yeah, you could kind of see it in the body language. Um, there was uh, some frustrations, and it just felt like it kind of snowballed um, in the first half. Felt like every time Boise State had the ball, even though they weren't scoring, it was like two, three, maybe four plays, and they were already in Bulldog territory. And that gets stressful when <laughs> you've got to prevent the scoring situation over and over and over. And uh, Boise State just went to that running game heavy in the second half. They just ran it over and over down the Bulldogs' throats. And it felt like you know, every time they did it, uh, just about, they were getting at least four yards or so and just moving the ball consistently. Uh, Alexander Madison, Boise State's running back, was very impressive. Um, I think he did the most uh, against Fresno State's defense that I've seen all year from a running back. Just um, not necessarily what was going on at the line, but what he did with the ball in open space and going one on one with defenders. That was it was impressive, and I think that was probably the difference between four and five yards or two and three yards on some of those runs. Uh, but yeah, I just felt like that momentum snowballed for Boise State, and the Bulldogs didn't quite have an answer defensively on those three consecutive scoring drives by Boise State. That was, I mean, the Bulldogs hadn't given up a touchdown 
in the first half or the four quarters before that against UNLV. So to see the Broncos just jam it right down their throats for three straight drives was startling, and uh, you could feel the confidence kind of wearing away at that point. Now, uh, for the uh, the Broncos, they, they had a similar situation earlier this season against San Diego State, <clears throat> who ultimately won that game. But you could sense that Boise State was making a comeback to, uh, to make a play to actually try to win that game. And it, this felt like that. Boy, Fresno State got out to a lead, and Boise State was like, eh, we've been here before. And we almost won last time. Let's, let's do this again. And they just seemed to get stronger and stronger and stronger as the game went along. Mm. Um, and the defense, of course, you know, being one of the best in the nation – there's only so much you can do if your offense isn't scoring. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the Bulldogs, you know, pretty much shot themselves in the foot, not being able to move the ball and chew up clock to help their defense out. And that's something that Tedford probably, you know, has to rethink a little bit. You know, the 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 high speed offense, the the up tempo offense of no huddle and, and getting things moving quickly in this game probably backfired. Um, it wasn't the type of game you wanted to do that. It was the type of game you wanted to chew up that clock as much as possible. And there was times where they were in the no huddle that I was sitting there going, why? <laughs> why are you doing that? But it was, you know, I'm not the coach. I guess that's why they do it. But, hey, I mean, slow down the game, take over the clock, and maybe, maybe you had a chance to win that one. But for some reason, they didn't do it, and... Boise was able to take advantage of all the time they still had left on the clock <laughs> in order to do something. But, you know, that being said, now we're heading up against coming back to Bulldog Stadium in the comfort of our weather <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where they're going to have they're going to have to face a team that kind of has similar weather and that's San Diego State who last week lost to UNLV. And that just changes things a whole lot. It makes things a little easier for the Bulldogs as if they win, they're now uh, be playing in the championship game. Do you think that that's going to play a little bit into the motivation of what the Bulldogs are going to do this week? Yeah, um, I think the, the Boise State game was a rough one and it's a hard one to get over. But when you know the, the division titles on the line the next week, that makes it a little bit easier, I think, to get ready. Uh, they also had a day off to let it soak in <laughs> after that playing a Friday game, so I think that helped. They're not on the road for two weeks in a row. Uh, so mentally, I, I think they'll be ready. And this San Diego State is a an odd team where they don't win by much and they don't lose by much, and it doesn't matter who they play. <laughs> so uh, Something's going to have to give because the same teams that San Diego State is playing close with or even losing against like UNLV are the ones that the Bulldogs just torched for was it five straight weeks before they went to Boise? So uh, something's going to have to give. I, I expect no less th from San Diego State than a hard smash mouth game, but I think the potential is there for Fresno State to run away with it like they did last year. Now, it, it's no secret. These two teams do not like each other. <laughs> and I, uh, there's something about about the their head coach. Uh, I forget his name. It's uh, Rocky Long. Rocky Long. Uh, he does not like the Bulldogs <laughs> at all. And... To have those two losses of back-to-back -back years now, right? The, since the Bulldogs have beaten them, they beat them in San Diego. Yeah, last year, the Bulldogs beat them in San Diego. 
um, the year before, San Diego State got the Bulldogs in fourteen and, or excuse me, fifteen and sixteen when things were ugly for Fresno uh, State. Okay. So, so last year they were able to kind of. That's still in the back of the mind of Rocky Long. Yeah. You know how I they saw were, him walking off the field last year. <laughs> he didn't look too happy. <laughs> he, yeah, he 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 remembers that game. There was no way that they should have lost that game in San Diego last year, and the Bulldogs went in and took care of business yeah. and surprised everyone and, and headed to the Mountain West Championship game. This year, it's not a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. They know what they're going to get when they face each other. And I I guarantee you that this San Diego team, regardless of what they did last week, are going to come out playing really hard this week. Yeah. Um, and uh, hostile territory. I don't know. <laughs> you expect this place to be rocking once uh, San Diego comes in? I mean, it could be it could be a full stadium of all Sea of Red for Bulldog fans. Or San Diego could bring its own people here because there's a lot on the line in this game. Uh, what, what do you think the kind of atmosphere we should be having this weekend? Yeah, I think the fact that both of the teams lost last week flattens it a bit. Um, not necessarily that I think it'll be a bad atmosphere at Fresno State, but when you look at the crowd and you know what it probably would have been if the Bulldogs had beaten Boise State, had been you know about number 15 in the nation in the AP poll and uh, coming off a win against Boise State, I think it probably would have been sold out or close to it and rocking. Uh, you're going to have a lot of Fresno State fans that are probably now still trying to get over that Boise State loss. Uh, San Diego State traditionally doesn't travel very well, uh, even to Fresno, which is kind of surprising considering how good they've been. Uh, but And a direct flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, they don't have the traveling fan support. Uh, they've been really good the last couple times they came to Fresno State and didn't bring too many fans. Uh, but this one... I think as long as Fresno State can do something early to get the fans into it, it'll be rocking. Uh, people still know what's on the line. I think they'll still hit at least 30,000, probably a little bit over. And um, it's just going to take something to get, the, <laughs> I think, the team and the fans going early on to to remind them what's what's on the line. Uh, against Hawaii, the last home game now, it's been, it's been a while, Uh Hawaii came out and threw a big pass right off the bat, and it seemed to wake everyone up. And whether it is Fresno State themselves or San Diego State, I think something will happen early to get Bulldog Stadium rolling. Yeah, that was an odd game. Uh, yeah. Hawaii comes out and two plays in. I'm sitting there going, "What? Wait, what? They're almost ready to score." Uh, it just it it woke up the crowd, and the, you know whether it bad or good, something needs to happen early on to wake up the crowd yeah. a little bit. Uh, and once the crowd get going gets going, then then it's an advantage for the bulldogs but right now the problem is is will the fans show up i mean it's sad that the some of these fans won't show up unless the bulldogs are ranked nationally in the country and have a chance at something other than the mountain west title game you know people should come out and still support this bulldog team who have been fighting all season and still have a lot on the line and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to only end up in one of the mountain west uh conference bowl games they still offer opportunities for some outside bowl games but they need to stay attractive and they need to show that there's a fan base that still follows them and that's going to be a lot now facing the the san diego state uh i always forget aztecs (laughs) um as they face the aztecs offensively how do they match up against this defense of san diego who in the past has given fresno state some problems how do you see them matching up this season 
Yeah, uh, the San Diego State runs an exotic kind of a unique three-three-five defense. They move around a lot before the snap. They'll try to give you different looks. They will uh, approach from a variety of different angles to try to confuse you. And surprisingly, this coaching staff in their first shot at it last year handled it very well. The offensive line picked up just about everything, and they dominated in that game. So that makes me feel better <laughs> about about this one. Um, uh, San Diego State, they, they've struggled recently on defense. They've had three state games where they've given up, I believe, 24 points or more, and that's against the likes of New Mexico, UNLV. Um, they haven't been quite as impressive. Just about every game before then, they had held teams under 21 points, but it seems like they're struggling a little bit on both sides of the ball. Probably good timing for Fresno State. Um, I think the Bulldogs will put up enough points on offense to where if Fresno State's defense gets back to itself like they were prior to Boise State that they should handle this game fairly easily. Now, for some reason, uh, San Diego State is having issues with the state of Nevada uh, this season, losing yeah. to both <laughs> Nevada and UNLV. Um, so, I mean, is there in somewhere in those losses to those teams, is there a blueprint for this offense to kind of figure uh, this defense out for uh, San Diego State? You know, I think the blueprint is probably in just about every San Diego State game. <laughs> not not to harp on them, but like every almost every game that they've played has been about a one possession game, and it's just a matter of did they make the play at the end or not to win it against UNLV. The Rebels surprisingly came up with the plays at the end. I mean, you even look at San Jose State; that was a sixteen thirteen win where the Spartans were moving down the field with the chance to tie or win at the end of the game. I mean, you go down the line; they beat Air Force by four. They lose to Nevada by four, beat New Mexico by eight. They beat Eastern Michigan by three. Uh, Their win over Arizona State was a seven-point win, which was a really good one. And even Sacramento State, who they beat by 14, if they don't convert a fourth down in the fourth quarter, they might lose that game. Um, So the blueprint's kind of there. It's just about making the plays at the end of the game. But uh, when San Diego State plays that many games tightly against teams that Fresno State has wiped out, it makes me think that... San Diego State's more in the company of those teams and that Fresno State should be able to cover the 15-point spread that uh, has generously been given to the Bulldogs. It it just it, it amazes me. I was sitting there looking at the record. Yeah, they struggled <clears throat> against just about everyone this season. And it just, for them, it just means, uh, you know, if they're close in the game, then in the fourth quarter, they have a chance. So the key for the Bulldogs is to not make it close in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the key. Um, but defensively, how the how do the Bulldogs match up against the, the offense of San Diego State, who has in the past been predominantly run heavy? Is that the same for this season for San Diego? For most of the year, yeah, and that's like perfect for Fresno State because their goal is to make teams one-dimensional, and if you're already one-dimensional, they've done half the battle for you already. (laughs) And we saw it last year at San Diego State where they only scored three points on the Bulldogs. Um, But in their loss to UNLV is something that almost kind of concerns me a little bit. The Rebels went all out. They said, San Diego State, you're not running the ball. We're putting everyone in the box, and we're making your suspect quarterbacks throw it, and if you beat beat us, so be it. And San Diego State still ran the ball 34 times, but they only got 2.6 yards per carry. 
And they threw the ball. They threw it 36 times, which is very <laughs> rare for San Diego State to air it out like that. And they actually did pretty good. They completed uh, 22 of those passes for 279 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, so uh, it makes me think there might be enough there for San Diego State to attack both on the pass and the run. There's kind of that 10% of my mind that is a little bit concerned about that. The other 90% says... The Bulldogs stop the run, and as long as they get a score too early and make San Diego State play from behind, they're going to run away with it. Well, how about how about you know uh, Fresno State takes a page out of what uh, UNLV just did and does the same thing? Are the players on Fresno State a lot better than UNLV in and being able to cover their wide receivers? Do you think that's going to make a difference? Yeah, I think Fresno State's got the much better cornerbacks to try to implement something like that. Uh, we saw, you know, even last week, I believe it was Jaron Bryant got beat on the kind of the dagger touchdown Boise State scored, and they've given up those occasionally, but for the most part, they're pretty reliable. <clears throat> uh, even if they gave up one or two of those to San Diego State, you would expect the offense to score enough to cover that. Yeah, so, you know, the Bulldogs could take a page out of what UNLV does and does basically does the same thing and should have more success than UNLV did, but that doesn't mean that uh, San Diego State's just going to sit there and let that happen again. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to go, oh, okay, uh, well, now we know this didn't work. Let's try this now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, San Diego is going to come with a different game plan, and I can almost guarantee you what they've shown most of the season is not exactly what the Bulldogs are going to see now. Um, I mean, they knew the Bulldogs were going to be their biggest challenge uh, this season other than Boise State, uh, especially for that conference uh, title. And they were going to uh, probably save some of the plays in their back pocket until they met with the Bulldogs. So we're probably going to see some things out of San Diego that this game that we have not seen all season. <laughs> and so, and vice versa, Bulldogs know the same thing. They have to go against this San Diego team and probably in the back of their mind, they had some plays that were designed specifically for San Diego and maybe some of the plays they've been running all year just to set up San Diego. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what happens. But after Fresno state loses last week and uh, Boise state wins, um and San Diego State loses. <laughs> There's been a major kind of a shakeup here in the Mountain West. And Jackson, I'm going to let you kind of break this down because <laughs> you told it to me earlier before we got on. Right now, Fresno State five and one in the conference. Nevada four and two. San Diego uh, four and two. And if the Bulldogs lose this week th- and Nevada wins, theoretically there could be a three way tie. However, you said there's still a different kind of a breakdown that the Bulldogs still come out on top, even with the three-way tie. And I'm going to let you break that down. (laughs) I'll try to explain it thoroughly. I I typed it out on the Barkboard message boards, and it's probably easier to comprehend (laughs) on paper. Uh, But here we go. So Fresno State right now is 5-1. Nevada and San Diego State are 4-2. If Fresno State wins on Saturday, it's a done deal. The Bulldogs win the West, and they're heading to the conference championship game. But if they lose to San Diego State on Saturday, it seems likely that the Bulldogs will still (laughs) win the division via tiebreaker rules, which sounds bizarre, but here we go again. Um, (laughs) The key for Fresno State is that Nevada has to win out. Uh, They are 4-2 and right now, and their remaining two games are against the conference's worst competition in San Jose State and UNLV. 
It's not a given, uh, especially a rivalry game against UNLV, and they're on the road. But the way Nevada is playing, coming off a 49-10 to win against Colorado State, it seems more than likely that they'll win those last two games. So if Nevada's 6-2, and Fresno State beats San Jose State in the finale, uh, assuming they lose to San Diego State, they would also be 6-2. and and uh, well, then you have San Diego State. If they were to lose to Hawaii in the season finale, Fresno State would win the division. And if they were to beat Hawaii, then you've got that three-way tie. And because Fresno State beat Nevada, Nevada beat San Diego State, and we're theoretically saying San Diego State beats Fresno State, the tiebreaker goes on to stage two, <laughs> which is divisional records. And ironically, San Diego State is hurt by beating Boise State and losing to UNLV they would have the worst divisional record of the three teams. And that leaves you with Fresno State and Nevada. They go back to head-to-head, and Fresno State has the tiebreaker there. So really the only scenario right now where Fresno State does not go to the division or win the division and go to the title game is if they lose to San Jose State and San Diego State or Nevada falls uh, along the road. So it seems more than likely, surprisingly, even if the Bulldogs lose on Saturday – that they should be in that championship game. Now, you know, hopefully you want to see them win these last two, build momentum, and have a chance to knock off a ranked Utah State or Boise State and maybe even get into that accessible conversation if UCF uh, slips up in the championship in their conference. Yeah, and and so the hopes are still not dead for, for the Bulldog fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Fresno State wins this week. Conference championship all tied uh, is all wrapped up. And then now they just got to figure out who they're going to be facing in it. And more than likely, they're going to be on the road for the championship game. Um, Because right now in the West, in the Mountain Division, there's really only two teams playing for that right now. And that's Utah State and Boise State. Utah at 6-0, Boise State at 5-1. This week, Boise State uh, faces New Mexico, uh, while Utah State is facing Colorado State neither of which should place a, a, a big enough threat for both of these teams to lose, although we've seen a lot stranger things happen lately. Um, those two teams are probably are going to face each other um, with Utah State at 7-0 and and Boise State at 6-1. and They'll face a, off each other. Basically, whoever wins gets the, uh, gets the host for the championship game. Um, now, me, personally, I'm kind of pulling for someone other than Boise State <laughs> at the moment because <laughs> I don't think Jackson wants to travel back to Boise again this season. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, Jackson. You, you probably still go back to Boise, but you'd probably like to go to Utah this time to, to go check that one out, wouldn't you? Yeah, logistically, Boise's an easier trip. <laughs> so I guess there's a positive, I guess, if they have to go back to the blue turf. But um after the way the last two games on the blue turf played out, I'm not necessarily looking forward to the risk of another one going that way. <laughs> well, and and perhaps, you know, I'm already making plans to maybe join you on this conference championship because it looks like it's going to be a road trip or, you know, they're going to be on the road for the championship. So uh, as soon as we find out where they're going, mm-hmm. I'm going to start looking to probably book my trip to go with uh-huh. you as well. <laughs> um, but that one... So it it's we already know what's going to happen in the mountain right now. Fresno State wins this game this week, you know, game over. They're they're set, and then they don't even they don't even need to beat San Jose State. Mm-hmm. But they still need to win out 
and get a little bit of help with both Boise and Utah losing and UCF losing as well in order for the Bulldogs to jump ahead of everyone (laughs) and get back into the bull race again. (laughs) Slim chance. (laughs) But the possibility is still there. (laughs) What do you think, Jackson? Is that how, how you see it as well? for things to shake out for even that possibility? Yeah. Uh, the conference, or excuse me, the playoff committee came out with their polls, and they've got Utah State at 23 and Boise State at 25. And really, you know, UCF and Cincinnati, who are both ranked 11th and 24th, respectively, in the American Conference, only one of those teams is going to go to the title game. And if they fall to whoever it may be uh, on the other end of the conference, that's going to be a, a big drop. And to get to that access bowl, you've got to be a conference champion. So there's a really good odds that the Mountain West champion would take that spot if UCF or Cincinnati gets upset in the title game. Um, and Fresno State may not be that far behind. We just don't know because the playoff committee, they don't tell you who's number 26, 7, 8, 9, like you see with the coaches poll and the AP poll with the votes. Uh, but right now, you would think they're they're not terribly far behind. Boise State's number twenty five, so I don't think that loss kills Fresno State by any means. Uh, they've got to be in the picture somewhere, but that's probably a long shot. But again, the Mountain West has had a good enough season where if something happens in the American Conference, it looks like they'll get that spot. And whether it's Utah State, Boise State, or Fresno State, it could be any of those three really. And believe it or not, um, the Mountain West is considered to be a stronger conference than the American Conference at the moment. Um, and so there, that goes uh, heavily into the decision of the Bowl Committee uh, as to which conference is stronger. And right now, that's that's uh, the Mountain West, although uh, the American Conference team is you know ranked higher at the moment. One slip-up and Fresno State, or not Fresno State, the Mountain West will leapfrog and go right into that position for the new year's bowl you know it's sad but the way i look at it i'd rather have a mountain west team go to a new year's bowl than um than you know if the bulldogs cannot go i'd rather see one of the mountain west teams go in order to help out the conference because they all get to share that revenue still Hmm. and that is a big bonus for every team involved in the mountain west which could help strengthen um, this conference, which is what everybody wants to see. Um, although some of you out there are probably disagreeing with me, so I can, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm going to start getting the hate emails here, uh, Jackson. I'm just going to direct them over to your email real quick. I'll just <laughs> forward them over to you. Um, but that being said, Jackson, uh, I mean, what do you what do you see as bull predictions right now? Should the Bulldogs win? And not be able to get into a New Year's Day bowl, which is a very, very big outside chance. What are some of the breakdown in bowl uh, games that you're kind of seeing that could be a possibility? Yeah, uh, if the Bulldogs win out and they don't get that spot, they should be headed to the Las Vegas Bowl, which is a good one to be in. It's the Mountain West's best tie-in right now, and it's not going to last much longer. And it's another road trip. Yeah, (laughs) one that you can drive to if you're (laughs) from Fresno. Uh, And against the Pac-12 team, uh, so it would be a good matchup. I think that would be a a pretty solid constellation if uh, the Bulldogs, at this point, it's going to be an uphill climb to get into that big New Year's Bowl. Um, otherwise, if they fall, whether it be San Diego State or in the conference championship game, 
the other Mountain West tie-ins, uh, of course, you've got Hawaii, which hopefully the Rainbow Warriors will secure this week against UNLV. Oh, please, please, yeah. please. You've also got uh, Boise, the, the bowl there, which would be Fresno State's second or even third trip to Boise. I don't think they would do that to the Bulldogs. Um, they've got the bowl tie-in in New Mexico. That would also be a return trip for the Bulldogs. Uh, there's a few other outside tie-ins that the Mountain West could get into where they kind of backfill some of the spots left behind by if the Pac-12 doesn't have enough teams or something like that. And it looks like the most, uh, well, the one with the most potential is probably the Cheez-It Bowl, which doesn't sound very <laughs> glamorous, but it used to be the Cactus Bowl, and it's in Phoenix, um, which would be a, a matchup against a Power 5 team and really would be a really good bowl for Fresno State. The only downside is, is the day right after Christmas, so uh, that would probably puts a dent in most fans' travel plans if you want to see them in that one. How about uh, – I know the, in the past they used to have something like in the San Francisco um, or even Seattle. Um, are those bowls still around or are those still viable options? Uh, I believe the San Francisco Bowl is one where they will occasionally reach to the Mountain West if their normal slots don't fill it. I believe Nevada and Kaepernick – brought a big Nevada group that year when uh, they played there. Um, but it looks like uh, the, the cheese at bowl is probably the mountain West's best uh, back end tie in right now that they may be able to get a team into. Well, and, and there you have it. There's the breakdown from Jackson on, uh, on these bowl games. You know, it doesn't really matter where they end up uh, if they can't get into uh, one of those big name bowls. The only thing we could ask for is <laughs> that it be in Las Vegas um, or somewhere um, decent enough where people can can travel easily to and will want to visit. I know the Las Vegas Bowl would be one because, you know, it's Las Vegas. People like to travel there uh, just even if they're not going to the game, they, they'll take in the atmosphere of Vegas because Vegas is just crazy, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. But uh, that, I mean... I don't know. My second choice other than the Las Vegas Bowl would probably be, I hate to say it, probably be Boise. I mean, that would probably be the next best place to go. I know no one will travel to Hawaii unless you're someone who really wants to go to Hawaii at this time of the year. Uh, And New Mexico would be a just... Uh, be a downgrade in my opinion to any of the other bowls. Uh, There is uh, one other one... uh in Arizona, not the choose a bowl. It's a secondary one. And it's against a Sunbelt opponent, which Fresno state seems to usually put, or excuse me, the mountain West usually seems to put one of the lesser bowl eligible teams into that one. So, <laughs> I mean, there is a chance the Sunbelt could send someone like app state and make for an interesting matchup. But, um, I think they're going to try to get Fresno state somewhere else. Yeah. They're going to try to, at least after all of what Fresno state's been through this year, there's going to be some bowls. who are going to really take a serious look at the Bulldogs, uh, when they haven't had anyone to fill their vacant slots, uh, Bulldogs are going to be high in the list. But, you know, it's going to be probably going to be between Las Vegas Bowl and like Boise's Bowl again, even though you say that they probably wouldn't send them there for a third time. <laughs> um, I wouldn't put it past them, especially if the Bulldogs don't win the Mountain West Championship. Uh, that's usually reserved for that for that uh, uh, the Mountain West champion to take the Las Vegas Bowl, but unless the Mountain West Championship 
champion heads to the New Year's Day Bowl, then that's a different story. Yeah, that, then everyone kind of gets bumped up a spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that is a lot of math that's just going to hurt my head right now. <laughs> um, and something that we're after this week, we'll be able to get a better grip on where we're at. Uh, do you see UCF stumbling at all this week? Um, you know, they could, but right now you've kind of got to just hope for UCF or whoever's in that division to, that goes to their championship game to fall in the conference championship. Um, UCF, of course, if they lose one game at this point, I don't know how far they drop back. Uh, they're ranked number 11th right now. They've got a lot of wiggle room and I thought Fresno state at the time before they lost to Boise state would have the better resume with the one loss head to head. Uh, but now you're talking about Boise state and Utah state, uh, UCF might edge those two teams out. Um, this week they have a legitimate opponent against Cincinnati who's ranked number 24th in the nation. Um, Cincinnati also has a very good defense, which is something UCF hasn't seen very much of and their explosive offense seems to score on just about anyone. Um, but if it's UCF or if it's Cincinnati, uh, representing the east side of that conference, they're going to have a good shot to go to that New Year's Six Bowl, more so UCF. But the thing is, whoever they play, uh, right now you've got a three-way tie between SMU and Tulane, who are both 5-5, five and five, and Houston, who's 7-3 and three overall. Uh, if one of those three teams goes and knocks off UCF and Temple, or UCF or Cincinnati, excuse me, that pretty much ruins the American Conference's chance to send a champion to that bowl. So that's where the Mountain West can really bank on having a chance. And even if you've got a two-loss Fresno State or a two-loss team, if the math works out otherwise, with the Utah State or Boise State, um, they could have a really good shot at taking that spot. So things are going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of watching this week at uh, <laughs> uh, on those games. Um even though Fresno State still has an outside chance uh, to make that bowl game, it's it, it is a big implication, like I said earlier, uh, for the Mountain West to get in there, and that's something that every uh, fan from the Mountain West should want is a Mountain West team to head over there because it benefits everyone in the Mountain West. Uh, so that's something we're just going to have to keep an eye on and see where we're at with that. That being said, Jackson, I think we're, we're about ready to kind of wrap this one up. Any other thoughts on what's happened in the past week or what's coming up in this week? Uh, on basketball, uh, Bulldogs are heading to number 21 TCU on <laughs> Thursday. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough challenge for a, a new team with the new coaching staff and a lot of players <laughs> that haven't played a lot together. But we'll see how they stack up. Um, probably more importantly from our coverage into things, uh, it's national, or it's the signing week for this week. They're the early signing period, and the Bulldogs have three commits, and they're expecting to get signatures from all three. You can find full-length Q&A and audio interviews with uh, two of them so far. We're working to get the third. Uh, those are on the premium board. Hear all about who those guys are, why they picked Fresno State, and what they're going to bring to the table. And uh, sounds like Fresno State's going to get maybe one or two more in the spring. So still some things to keep an eye on with basketball recruiting. And we've also got a post on Nate Grimes that kind of clears up his situation, who once eligible will probably be the Bulldogs starting center right now without him. Uh, it could be a struggle in the post with not a whole lot of big guys. So uh, crucial news on Nate Grimes and the premium board as well. All right. So, Jackson, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. You got a chance to watch the basketball team play at least one game so far this season, right? Mm -hmm. 
what's your thoughts? What's your opinions on how the season is going to kind of shake out? I think it's going to be a fun team. Uh, how, how, what the win record, win loss record looks like at the end of the year, I'm still not sure. <laughs> the non conference schedule is very favorable after this trip to TCU and a tournament down in Fullerton where they're going to play some quality teams. They get to come home for all of December, a lot of winnable games, and a lot of opportunities to get themselves ready for conference play. Uh, but this team has three really good guards, uh, at least two for sure. Uh, Deshaun Taylor and Braxton Huggins are going to be able to score a lot of points every night. I think Noah Blackwell is right in that conversation. Blackwell is a transfer from Long Beach State. and Huggins is a transfer from New Mexico State. Both of those guys played a lot at their previous schools. And um, those three guys, I think, can really carry this team. The sooner the Bulldogs get Nate Grimes back, the better uh, to have some sort of presence down low. But it seems like there's enough guard play. Uh, they've launched 33 three-pointers <laughs> against Alaska Anchorage in that one game we've seen so far. Uh it's going to be a team that is up tempo. It's pretty exciting. It's going to have to play uh, a small ball style of play just because of the roster that they have. And it should be fun to watch. And if they're hitting from downtown, they have a shot to win against most opponents, but uh, they're not the warriors. They're not going to do that every night. So um, they've got a puncher shot against most teams that they play, but we'll see how many of those they finish off. So this is going to be an interesting season and good news. Me and you are going to be busy on in December. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, but that being said, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I hope everyone enjoyed what we uh, have been covering so far this season. Um, just look for more podcasts. Even as football season dwindles down, we'll start to switch gears into basketball now, like I said uh, in previous podcasts, I'm not the biggest basketball knowledgeable person to have on here. I will do my best. Jackson will have to carry the weight on this one, <laughs> which he's more than capable. Um, but if necessary, we'll try and see if we can line up maybe some uh, some guests on the show so that we can uh, – you know, have some other content for you guys. That being said, uh, you can find me and Jackson on Twitter. You can find Jackson at Jackson Moore 247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, also, find us on the boards as usual. Just look for our names and we're there. Uh, you can leave us a message and we'll make sure to do our best to return uh, the messages to you. Uh, if you haven't done so already, have, head over to Facebook and find our Facebook page, The Red Wave Report. Not The Red Wave Report. Um, look for thebarkboard.com that's the Facebook page you want to look for and give it a like right now we are over 4,000 now we're shooting for 45 uh, 4,500 before the year is out which uh, I don't know it's kind of kind of a long shot but we'll see what we can do (laughs) Um, that being said you know go over there like the page that's where we put all the information uh, once we post a story on the uh, website and notifies you the first time. So head on over there and give it a like. Uh, and thank you for joining us and hope to catch us again next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs> <laughs>